Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. Tips and advice on developing confidence, embracing your style, and attracting the love and sex you want. Hi guys, welcome back to Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. Hope you guys have been well. I've been doing some very exciting things. Um, if you follow me on my site, you you know about my book and all the great things I've been doing, so I'm I'm in a great mood. I hope you are too. So let's get right into it, okay? Episode 12. Money. Mmm. <laughs> okay, wow, this is a big, big topic. Almost too big for one episode, but it's really important. So I'm gonna divide this episode into two sections. The first section will be just about the practical ways of looking at money and how it can improve your life. And then the more abstract ways it can affect your relationships with women, because I know this is on your mind. Because I, I have to address the obvious. I, I, I want to make a couple of things clear from the outset regarding the whole idea of money and women relationships, that sort of thing. You do not have to be rich to get a girlfriend. As some people are quite happy to point out, the 1% <laughs> means that the other 99% of the world ain't rich, right? <laughs> and yet somehow people are still managing to get together. So so don't please don't fall for the idea that all women are gold diggers and that to succeed with a girl, you have to be wealthy. You don't, okay? Obviously, yes, there are some women who only go after the world's richest guys. Just like there are some men who go after only the world's most beautiful women. If you aren't the latter, then don't worry about the former, okay? You wouldn't want a woman like that anyway. There are, however, some things surrounding money that you do have to be aware of when it comes to women. And I will discuss those in the second half of the episode. So don't think I'm just going to gloss over it and pretend like it doesn't matter. It does matter, but I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by what I'm going to say about it. Okay, first things first. Money in terms of your self-esteem and the quality of your life. One of the real problems that, that I see in the world as it is now, with all of its scandals and corruption and problems, is that money has really become like a, like a dirty word to a lot of people. You know, capitalist is virtually synonymous with greedy bastard, you know? And anyone who makes money or tries to is generally looked upon with either suspicion or you know, outright hatred. There are whole movements out there trying to get rid of property rights, um, intellectual property rights, copyright laws, and there are huge protests against capitalism and serious moves towards communism, even when we see the chaos in Venezuela and places like that, um, moves towards universal basic income, that kind of thing. And the problem with this kind of sweeping generalization is that instead of just targeting the truly offensive or fraudulent or criminal people out there, the people who are really responsible for the banking crisis or for hiking up the price of medication by thousands of percentage points, or the people responsible for slave labor and things like that, instead of just targeting what's wrong with the way some people make or take money, we've now kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and made it a moral offense for anyone to want to make a living, 
basically, you know. We now tend to view anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur with suspicion, and we tend to view them as being, you know, morally bankrupt. It's one of the worst developments in our modern world, because the reality is money has to come from somewhere, right? Everyone has to support themselves, even governments. And to just try to pretend that a Star Trek-type moneyless society is, is possible, let alone desirable, I think is just completely naive and foolish. If you want to understand what an amazing development money is in human history, I can recommend some sites to visit, some books, things like that. Because truly, just going back to basics, when human societies moved away from simple barter and trade and developed a standard monetary system, even if it was just conch shells and beads, it was a huge leap forward for everyone's quality of life. Just as a simple example, imagine back in the day when all you could do was trade eggs that your chicken had laid for bread from the baker, say. If you needed bread, but the baker didn't need eggs, <laughs> you were stuck, right? So an objective monetary system helped place a value on your eggs or his bread or his blacksmithing or whatever, and let everybody have and achieve so much more than they could have before. So at its essence, money itself is a wonderful thing. The, the fact that there are always going to be greedy, unscrupulous people shouldn't tarnish your view of something so vital to your life. The fact that you can go perform a skill for someone and receive what you need to provide a roof over your head and food in your mouth, it, that's a monumental achievement, not to mention something that saves you untold time and labor. You know, in other words, you don't have to build your own house or grow your own food. You can pay someone else to do that just by going to work as an accountant, let's say, you know, for someone who doesn't want to learn how to be an accountant any more than you want to learn how to build houses, right? It's pretty simple. I know this is fairly obvious, but I think it's worth mentioning here because I think our society has really lost sight of what a huge value money is. And that's how I want you to start thinking about the money you make as a real value. It'll really help you decide how to spend it how to save it, how to value the things you do if you start to view money not the way we typically do. As in, it's just a fixed commodity, it just landed from the sky on some people and not on others. Um, you know, either we have it or we don't, usually we don't have enough of it. I want you to think of money as your work made physically real. So if you currently make, for example, $20 an hour, Take out a $20 bill and look at it. This represents one hour of your work. Whether it's your time, as in you're paid by the hour to be somewhere, like, a, like an overnight security guard. Whether it's your labor, as in you're paid by the hour to lay bricks or move furniture. Um, whether it's your intellectual skill at something. You know, maybe you're paid by the hour to balance the books or, or code a game or whatever it is that's your talent and expertise. Um, maybe you're paid to sing at a wedding, you know. This $20 is a physical representation of that. It's, it's one hour of you, basically, doing what you do best. So when you go to spend that $20, think about whether this thing that you're planning to buy is worth an hour of your time or more, depending on how much it costs. If you want to buy a new TV and it's $200, ask yourself if you would work 
10 hours or more, <laughs> considering how much you have to pay in taxes, um, to, to have that TV. Is it worth 10 or 12 hours of your work, whatever your work is? If it is, you know, if you'd rather have that TV than the money you would earn for working 10 or 12 hours, if you know you'd have to work 10 or 12 hours to have that TV and it's great, then that's fine. Buy it. Great. Buy it. Enjoy it. And every time you look at it, tell yourself you worked hard for that TV. You deserve it. But if you wouldn't work 12 hours to have this TV, if it's just not worth it to you, then figure out how much you would be willing to spend on a TV. You see what I mean? Go from there. This tends to help you figure out the real value of something, not just the price of something. There's a big difference. And not just whether you can technically afford it. I mean, those of us living in the first world can pretty much afford anything we want within reason. You know, realistically, if you, if you really understood what true poverty is, you'd understand none of us are poor. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that those things have any value to us or that what we end up paying them for is worth it. I mean, you know, you know this is true when you're still paying off credit card debt years after you bought something. You may not even have that thing anymore, but you're still paying it off at a steep price. So if you start thinking about the things you buy in terms of their value versus your work, it may help prevent you from like aimless, pointless spending and overreaching on things that you don't really need or want. This is why I think it's also really, really important for everyone to earn their money in some way. Just giving people money is a disaster time and time again. I mean, look at what happens to almost every lottery winner ever or trust fund babies or celebrity kids. You know, if you just get money somehow without earning it, you have no way of valuing anything in your life. So you end up valuing nothing including yourself. So this is why a lot of people, myself included, are politically against the idea of um, welfare, states, universal income, things like that. Not because I'm heartless, not because I want to punish people for not working, and not because I want to see people suffer. I know perfectly well there's lots of reasons why some people can't work or support themselves. It's just that I believe any government program or assistance should be much more focused on guiding people into meaningful work so that they can earn their money somehow and feel that that pride, that connection to the things they want to buy. I think it's a fundamental psychological human need and whenever you subvert that, it ends up going terribly wrong, both for the individual and for society. So once you start valuing your work and your money more, the next step is to start being selective with it without going down the road of like crazy frugality, because that's no good either. You can't just hoard your money like Scrooge. That'll corrupt your soul as well. You have to spend it on yourself, on others, on things and people that you care about. It just means that you have to start viewing your money as a tool, as something that helps you get what you want, not something to be feared, um, misunderstood, resented, or, or hoarded. You need to start looking at your main uses for money. And for everyone, usually the number one is your home, you know, where you live. You need to figure out where and how you want to live, what you can afford, so that you can afford other things that you want and need. And you need to make sure where you're living, if at all possible, reflects your positive view of, of your work. 
I know this is a huge subject, way beyond the scope of one episode. And I know that one of the major crises facing people these days is housing. I'm not trying to downplay any of that. I just want you to start thinking about where you live and asking yourself questions like, for instance, do I like where I live? Is it, is it comfortable? Is it worth the huge amount of my salary that I, that I spend on it? Are there other options? You know, just as an example, could I move farther away from work and commute a bit longer if it meant I could afford a better place? Would getting a roommate mean I could afford a better place? One that was more worth what I spend on it? Um, would I be comfortable in a smaller, cheaper place so that I could spend what I earn on other things that would make my life happy? You know, things like that. Start being happy about exchanging money for things you want. Not crazy game show contestant. But I just mean when you go buy something that you've had your eye on and you hand over the money for it, be happy about it. Don't resent having to pay for it. You earned the money to buy it. And by purchasing it, you've unknowingly supported so many people who made this thing possible. You've contributed to your economy. You've kept people employed. You've kept the wheels turning in manufacturing and sales and advertising and retail and all these different things. This is why you also might want to be very selective about what you buy. You may find that you naturally start looking at where something is made and by which company and which parent company. You might actively start buying things that are made in your own country instead of in some poorer nation, even if those things cost a bit more. You might forego the big chain grocery store, for example, and go to the farmer's market instead. Because buying some locally grown vegetables supports your local farmer, your local co-op, that sort of thing. It's still your money you're handing over, but I guarantee you'll feel better about spending it when you buy brownies made by your new local bakery. You know, the, the, the bakery that will keep on baking brownies if people like you keep buying them, you know, instead of just buying something prepackaged from a big chain. Spend money on quality. That's another thing you'll enjoy. You'll actually enjoy spending more money on something really good. Buy the best you can afford, always. Don't bankrupt yourself. And always be careful that something is actually worth more because of its quality. You know, I mean, sometimes you end up just paying for the prestige of a name. <laughs> Honestly, like no purse is ever worth $45,000, but... You know, tell that to the sulabutants who prance around with their, with their latest Prada bags. But, but buy quality, always, whenever you can. You'll feel fantastic knowing you have the real thing, that it will last, that you're supporting a company that believes in quality. And don't ever buy knockoff anything. It's counterfeit. It's theft. It's ripping off the original creators. And it won't make you feel good about yourself knowing that you're walking around with a, with a fraud, right? Spend money on things that matter to you. Find a charity you really admire. Check them out and arrange to send them a donation every month, even a small amount, $2, $5, whatever. Don't be afraid to spend your money. This is why you earn it, to do things that matter to you. Support people you admire, help out a friend who needs a loan, or even just make it a gift, things like that. The more you do this, the more you let go of the fear you have the more you're able to happily give a homeless person a $5 bill, you know, the more you'll start to appreciate the flow of money in your life. Be mindful about it. Make sure you don't just throw your money away, but 
but do spend it selectively and often, always making sure that your own needs are met first. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you certainly can't help anyone else. And, and one of the biggest lessons, I think, is this. Always empathize. Always put yourself in other people's shoes. Everyone has to make a living. Everyone has to make money somehow. Don't start viewing the world as, you know, rich bastards, companies, whatever, and poor you, you know? Remember this every time you're dealing with someone or some store or restaurant or whatever. Never let yourself get into that jaded mindset of thinking, oh man, they're charging too much for this, or they can afford it, I'm going to steal this thing, you know? People are just people, and they're just like you, with the same or sometimes even more demands on them than you have. Running a business is not easy or cheap. Most of them fail within the first year because they can't make enough money to stay in business and pay their bills, their suppliers, their staff, that kind of thing. It's not because they're greedy and closing up because profits are too low. They go under because they can't make enough to stay afloat, and usually it's because people don't want to pay for what they're offering. So in addition to supporting businesses you like, keep in mind that, you know, this company or this restaurant or whatever is bringing you this thing, this this dinner or this selection of groceries or these clothes or whatever it is, at great risk and expense to themselves. And they're just hoping to make a profitable living doing it. So don't vilify them or let yourself believe that they're the man just trying to keep you down, you know. If you do run across a, a business or a company that you think is completely hosing people and trying to rip people off, then absolutely don't use them. Don't pay them. Don't use their product. It's you, you definitely have that choice, but you don't have to view everyone that way. Now, as for how to manage your money, I've got a lot of tips and suggestions for you that can really help. There's just too many of them to go into in this episode, so I'll save that for a future episode. You know, things like how to use credit cards and not let them use you. I've got a few tricks up my sleeve for that. Um, how to avoid pitfalls that sink many people into debt. Um, how to set aside money for savings, all that kind of thing. But that's for later when you've started to fully appreciate the power of money in your life. Okay, now, now the question of money and women. Wow, this is a huge topic too. And a pretty sensitive one for a lot of people. I would say that it's generally perceived that being rich for men is the equivalent of being thin for women. We see it as the ideal and the thing that's holding us back from having all the sex and love that we want, right? <laughs> and it's also the thing that's hardest for us to achieve. We also resent this ideal because we see all around us people who are rich or thin or both <laughs> just by luck. You know, they did nothing to have what they have or they're lucky in some way and they're able to be these these pinnacles of sexiness and it makes us feel like not even entering the race. I have noticed that women do like men with money, of course, just like I've noticed that men like thin women with big boobs, you know. Maybe maybe this might help you, incidentally, if you start to resent women for liking rich guys. Just remind yourself of all the women who resent you for liking thin girls with big boobs. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the point is, I do know this is a thing for some, if not most, women. But as I said at the beginning, you don't have to be rich to attract most women. 
I'm going to leave out the women who clearly do want the billionaires, you know, and just focus on more everyday women. Because I have some theories as to what's going on here, as to why they like guys with money. I don't think it's really about the money. I think it's about other things. So, see if you follow me here. These are just some ideas, just my thoughts, just my opinions. Don't write in. Um, <laughs> let's start with the practical ones. Number one, a guy with money or even just a job, usually signifies success and self-sufficiency to a woman. And what that means is that he can take care of himself and potentially her and any children that come along. I'll get to that later. But it means he won't be crashing on her couch, running up her credit card bills. You know, it means that she won't become a mother figure to her her sexual partner in life, that he will continue to be a self-sustaining, responsible person that she can count on. So it's not that you have to be pulling down six figures. You don't have to be a titan of industry. But if you meet a woman and she sees that, that without help, you, you have the motivation and sense of personal responsibility to get a job and manage your finances, even if they're meager, you know, that she knows you're someone that she could see potentially partnering with in life. This is why women are just as impressed if you're finishing college with a career plan in mind. They're looking for your sense of the future, your desire to have a career of some kind. You don't even have to have one right now, and you don't have to be rich. You just have to want to have a good life as a, as a responsible adult. And number two, this one sort of applies to both men and women. I've heard people say that women's value is in their looks which lessens over time, and men's value is in their wealth, which generally grows over time, which is why you tend to see older guys and younger girls. But more than that, if someone is willing to share their highest value with you, you know, if a beautiful girl chooses to be with you, if a wealthy man chooses to be with you, you feel special. You feel worth it. It's, it's an ego boost, plain and simple. So women look for men with money because when he spends his money on them, they feel sexy and beautiful and like they've, like they've won some kind of prize. Much the same way I imagine a man feels when he gets to be with a beautiful woman. You know, a apart from the actual gifts and trips and goodies and whatever else, apart from, or apart from actually enjoying a beautiful woman, just physically just being there with her. There's the ego boost that goes with these things. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here with this, this incredible hottie or, or, oh my God, I can't believe I'm in this private jet or whatever. But keep in mind, always, you don't have to buy a yacht for a girl, you know, buying her dinner gives her the same feeling, the same sense that you think she's worth spending money on. Okay, number three, let's face it, life can be much easier with money. A lot of stress would just disappear from people's lives if they knew they didn't really have to worry about the wolf at the door. I don't think it's the main reason most women go after men with a job or some money or some prospects, but I think it's a consideration. And again, it's a practical one. You can live without a beautiful girlfriend. You can, but living without money is pretty difficult. Okay, so now let's move on to the more abstract things, the harder to quantify reasons. Number one, I think this is probably number one for women, honestly. A man with money who spends it 
is not being cheap. Cheapness is probably the absolute biggest turnoff in a guy ever. <laughs> this is this is information from the Forbidden City here, guys. Okay, cheapness is the worst quality you can have. I don't care what else is wrong with you. <laughs> Seriously, just don't be cheap. That's the main thing. Don't be like George Costanza, you know, in, in Seinfeld, <laughs> who chose the moment that her father's cabin burned down to remind his fiance that she owed him change from the toll booth. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason this kind of thing was held up to ridicule in that show. Men who are obsessed with their money, who hoard it, who won't let anyone pry it from their cold dead hands, you know, for any reason. Men who are paranoid about people stealing from them, knowing their bank code, who suspect everyone's cheating them, who count pennies in the supermarket, you know, the guys who set a timer the minute they order a pizza so that if the delivery is one second over 30 minutes, they can they can scream for it to be free. Women don't like these guys. Okay. <laughs> I've, this is, this is absolutely true. Women do not like this in men because what it comes down to for most women is this. If you have the money to order a pizza, you're not poverty stricken. If you have the money for phones, computers, internet, whatever, you're not too poor. You know, but if you pretend that you are out of cheapness or or worse, out of some completely immoral belief that people should just give you stuff for free because you want it, don't be surprised that grown-up women run a mile from you. Women want a man who's responsible about money without being an ass about it, right? Okay, number two, generosity is a lovely characteristic in people. And sometimes men get a bad rap for being too selfish, too into themselves, and too arrogant, whatever. A woman wants a man who has a generous spirit, who can empathize with others, who can be the bigger person in a conflict, who can want to be part of something bigger than just himself while still maintaining his self-esteem. These things are really hard to concretize, you know, to show firm examples of, but a clue that a man is like this is how generous he can be with his money. You know, does he does he tip the, the waiting staff well, for example? Does he buy 10 boxes of Girl Guide cookies? You know, that sort of thing. These things that aren't even directly related to her. You know, they're just signs that he has a generous spirit. And number three, let me state at the outset. Let me be clear about this, okay? <laughs> What I'm about to talk about here is not something I personally put any stock in at all. It's not what I believe, based on research I've done, evidence I've seen, and just my own assessment of things. But it's out there, so I feel I should mention it here. A lot of people believe in the so-called patriarchy. They believe that there's a wage gap between what men and women earn, even though a lot of economists have refuted that. And I've mentioned that in other episodes, but anyway, um, they believe women are underrepresented in the professions, which again is absolutely not true. But anyway, <laughs> believe me, there's enough evidence to contradict all of this if you want to look for it. But the bottom line is a lot of people still believe this to be true, probably because they want it to be true. A lot of women just blithely accept that men have all the power, all the money, all the privilege, etc. So... If you're supposed to, 
in air quotes, have all the money, if you're the one with all the privilege, then some women expect you to act like it. They feel slighted by men and toxic masculinity and all that nonsense, and they start to act like, well, if you're going to have all these advantages over me, then the least you can do is act like it. You know, if you get to make more money than me, you'd better be prepared to do just that. I don't want a man who has all the power in this world and who still doesn't have a job, you know? <laughs> That's pretty much the way they think of it, right? It's your duty to spend money to support women and children to, to, to do all these things because you have been uniquely gifted by the money gods, I guess. And so this is, this is what you owe everybody. This is what a lot of people think. So keep that in mind. You're playing with a bit of a stacked deck in our modern world. You're wading into um, turbulent waters. I would hope there's enough women out there who don't believe this. And I certainly hope you look for a woman who has a bit more sense than this. But it's out there, so you should give it some thought. And number four, I will admit this is just a bit of a theory I've developed. Just a thought. I have no real basis for saying this. <laughs> it's just a, just a bit of conjecture, but here goes. I wonder if women being attracted to wealthy men is really just based in biology going way back. I wonder if all through human history, women were always attracted to the best providers, the best protectors, the most powerful men with the most resources, just because we women are biologically fated to be kind of vulnerable for much of our lives. I mean, women may be strong, even stronger than men in many ways, but there's no doubt that that pregnancy, childbirth, and raising children are an enormous strain on us. It weakens us, damages us, saps our strength, and exhausts us. It can even kill us. And in the developing world, it still does way too frequently. So knowing this, and knowing that at least in the past, we were sort of preordained to spend most of our lives pregnant, nursing or just running around after kids, maybe we started looking for mates who could protect us during these vulnerable times and who could help us provide for all these kids. I mean, if a woman is going through a 30-hour labor and she has two or three other kids running around, the last thing she needs to be thinking about is how to go hunt down some food or how to fend off an attacker or how she's going to feed this additional new hungry belly. You know, She needs to know that the father of these kids is there to protect and provide and keep them all safe while she's occupied going through a physical ordeal that could kill her. Maybe our modern preference for strong providers is just a throwback, you know, an evolutionary kind of leftover that doesn't really apply in our modern world, but which our lizard brains are still clinging to the last wisps of. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe modern women don't realize when they check out a guy for the size of his wallet that they're really just responding to some kind of ancient imperative that doesn't really matter these days. Maybe it just helps us feel feminine being around a man who's so clearly masculine in this very simplistic way. Just something to think about. So bottom line, guys, don't get hung up on how much money you have, how prestigious your job is, or what kind of car you drive. Because in spite of some of the things I've said in this episode, I want you to keep in mind that there are a great many women who actively dislike ostentatious wealth or high-powered guys. A lot of women don't want to be part of that world. They don't want a man who's never home because he's working 80 hours a week. Or they don't want a man who's all flash, who thinks his car or his boat makes him better than everyone else. 
for every gold digger out there, there are women who would rather live in a studio apartment with you if she means that it, it gets the it gets her the real you, you know, if she gets to have a real life with someone she loves and admires. Okay, so that's it for this week. As I said, I'll revisit the personal finance subject in another episode, but hopefully this one gets you started thinking about money in a new light, because it, it, it really is tied into your self-esteem, your sense of yourself, and your happiness in life, which is, which is what I want for you guys. So until next time, remember, you're an attractive, interesting person, worthy of love, and you're well on the way to finding it. Bye for now.